Deluxe Madness. He's gonna mix it up again because I'm not dying. No, I'm just putting the. I'm just. I'm, I'm doing that. You know, <laughs> that that Mariah. Put your finger to the ear. Oh you know, yeah. Hit that note. Gotta gotta get the. I was know. actually the only person that could see the finger to the it ear. Was, it was and I still didn't get it. It was important to get the. Levels. I thought you were going for like symphony crescendo. Or no, something. no. Just, mm, really, really dial in that high. <laughs> really dial in them highs. Hello. Um, we're back as always yeah. for the end of linear time. We'll never, we'll never stop. You can't stop us. Um, and we are, we are back to reading Fanon. Um, yeah. this is, this is fun because on the day we're reading this part of it. Um, if you want a, a, a fun companion, if you want to see how, uh, if you want to know how dense this book really is. And when I say dense, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, literally just every bit of it is so chock full of shit you got to talk about. Yeah. Um, Brett and Allison released their second episode. Yeah. On Fanon. Fina- on They're second of a three-part. A series that usually does every book we've done in one episode is taking three episodes to do Fanon. Yeah. Which makes me feel less bad that it takes us, that's take us a eight episodes year. a chapter. <laughs> um, it makes me feel better about myself. So I'm going to assume they're doing that simply for my own uh, benefit. So thank you, Brett I will Allison, say we are that. actually on track to make this slightly take less time than Capital. So we're still... Um, I don't. I don't know, but I mean, maybe in terms of overall uh, hours, but not in episodes, because in episodes, no, no, not in episodes. We've already blown past capital but it, on episodes. But in actual listening hours, we're still, we're still. Capital is the milestone. I think it was what twenty four, twenty seven hours, something like that. Pretty sure it was twenty seven. Twenty seven, yeah, because yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, a little bit more than a full yeah. day of your life to listen to us talk about capital. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we don't have any corrections this week, which I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, because it has been a full two weeks and no one has, uh, either y'all stopped listening or we got lucky. Um, and I'm going with the latter. Uh, other thing that we're going to start doing now at the beginning of these, um, if you are reading along, uh, it would have helped to have done this the entire time, but we didn't. So, you know, fuck us. We are now, so we are picking up today on page 155. It's the last paragraph. Last paragraph. It starts with, we have said. So if you're getting your book and you want to like align yourself to where we're starting and you don't want to, all right, that's where we're about to start reading from. Uh, and I'll give you time to do that. I'll insert the waiting music. And here we go. We have said that the native bourgeoisie, which comes to power, uses its class aggressiveness to corner the positions formerly kept for foreigners. On the morrow of independence, in fact, it violently attacks colonial personalities, barristers, traders, landed proprietors, doctors, and higher civil servants. It will fight to the bitter end against those who insult our dignity as a nation. It waves aloft the notion of the of the nationalization and Africanization of the ruling class. The fact is that such action will become more and more tinged by racism until the bourgeoisie bluntly puts the problem to the government by saying, we must have these posts. They will not stop their snarling until they have taken over every one. The working class of the towns, the masses of unemployed, the small artisans and craftsmen, for their part, line up behind this nationalist attitude. But in all justice, let it be said, they only follow in the steps of their bourgeoisie. If the national bourgeoisie goes into competition with the Europeans, the artisans and the craftsmen start a fight against non-national Africans. In the Ivory Coast, the anti-Dauhman and anti-Voltaic troubles are in fact racial riots. Dauhman and Voltaic people who control the greater parts of of the petty trade are once independence is declared the object of hostile manifestations on the part of the people of the Ivory Coast. From nationalism, we have passed to ultra-nationalism, to chauvinism, and finally to racism. 
these foreigners are called on to leave their shops, to leave, their shops are burned, their streets stalls are wrecked, and in fact, the government of the Ivory Coast commands them to go, thus giving their national satisfaction. In Senegal, it is the anti-Sudanese demonstrations which called forth from these words, Mr. Mamadou Dia. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mamadou Dia says, The truth is that the Senegalese people have only adopted the Mali mystique through the attachment to its leaders. Their adhesion to the Mali has no other significance other than that of a fresh act of faith in the political policy of the latter. The Senegalese territory was no less real. In fact, it was all the more so that in the presence of the Sudanese in Dakar was too obviously manifested for it to be forgotten. It is this fact which explains that, far from being regretted, the breakup of the Federation has been greeted with relief by the mass of the people, and nowhere was a hand raised to maintain it. While certain sections of the Senegalese people jump at the chance which is afforded them of their own leaders to get rid of these Sudanese who hamper them in commercial matters or administrative posts, the Congolese who stood by hardly daring to believe in the mass exodus of the Belgians, decided to bring pressure to bear on these Senegalese who have settled in Leopoldville and Elizabethville and to get them to leave. As we see it, the mechanism is identical in the two sets of circumstances. If the Europeans get in the way of the intellectuals and business bourgeoisie of the young nation, for the mass of the people in the towns, competition is represented principally by Africans of other nation of another nation. On the Ivory Coast, these competitions are the Dahomeans. In Ghana, they are the Nigerians. In Senegal, they are the Sudanese. When the bourgeoisie's demands for a ruling class made up exclusively of small ensler or Arabs do not spring from an authentic movement of nationalism, but merely correspond to an anxiety to place in the bourgeoisie's hands, the power held hitherto by the foreigner, the masses on their level present the same demands, confining, however, the notion of the, again, small ensler or Arab within certain territorial limits. Between resounding assertions of the unity of the continent and this behavior of the masses, which has its inspiration in their leaders, many different attitudes may be traced. We observe a permanent seesaw between African unity, which fades quicker and quicker into the mists of oblivion, and a heartbreaking return to chauvinism in its most bitter and detestable form. Now, this is where, and we're going to stop and talk, you know, a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I mean... You know, he's talking about when you become the bourgeoisie, you're you're centered around your own interest. Okay. Almost always, yeah. The oh. Bourgeoisie, by its nature, is a is a class that is only there to mm-hmm. stay the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. It is it is kind of it's 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 raised on taunt, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a class of people, and he talked about it earlier in the chapter. You know, this is the class of people that allow kind of a neo-colonialization where they're turning to the, the quote-unquote mother countries for loans and, and for assistance and for business people and things like that. And now they're turning around and they're doing a nationalism against other, you know, Africans and, and minorities in their area, yeah. right? And so what they're doing is they're really serving the colonizers. And so he's careful to say that it's in instances where you see this hyper-nationalism from the bourgeoisie rather than in the regular instances of nationalism. Um, so there's a distinction there. But in those instances, you really see these guys be the puppets of of a colonizing bourgeoisie to make their own bourgeoisie. So they may push the others out, 
but they're serving the interests of the bourgeoisie. I mean, obviously, you know, you can see this in different African nations. You can see this in, in different Asian nations. Uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, you know, comes to mind. <laughs> little Very, bit. Little bit. Little bit. Um, you know, and this is kind of in one of those those situations where it's like it's important to, to learn. We have to hear from this book and we can't ignore the parts of it that we don't think are applicable. Uh, but we also get back to that introduction where, you know, it's not really a book for us. It's not ours to mete out which nationalisms are good no. and bad. Just be aware of these differing attitudes and this different evolution it can have in a bad nationalism. Um, yeah. Our concern should be, again, do those nationalists truly serve colonizers? Because yeah. that's really the distinction. And we should be able to meet that out. And and it should be fairly obvious to see um, most of the time it's not terribly obfuscated um, – like, uh, I don't know, uh, searching for an example, Bolivia right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that yeah. nice one. Again, when the person doing the, the coup for self-determination is is quite obviously an ardent fascist that would mm-hmm. line up and... and Violent and, Christian supremacist that yeah. is, is happy to murder indigenous people, said indigenous people need to be eradicated, yeah. is part of a crypto-fascist Christian supremacist party. Um, Wasn't her grandpa like like didn't I, I came it, to power in a coup in, a, in Bolivia? Yeah, like I, I saw it was her great grandfather, but yeah, her great grandfather. Okay, it couldn't have been that far back because wasn't there the picture going around Twitter of the of the of him and like their like full military regalia? I'm of, pretty sure it's her great grandfather. It I mean, may this, this would have been like the 1800s. This would what? I think so. No, we know. gotta look that because there's a there's that. a picture going around Twitter. Of uh, of I, it's someone that is one of the last people in Bolivia that was deposed in some sort of coup. Um, they they literally have a navy. They had a navy, mm-hmm. which is only funny if you know geography and understand that Bolivia is a landlocked country. <laughs> and it's literally just them like taking a boat like on laps around Lake Titicaca, just like going in circles. Just because what else are we gonna do at this point? Like we gotta hold the regalia. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is which is just fun, but no, we'll we gotta we gotta we, all right. Pause pause to figure out which of her uh, which of her relatives was a violent, cooed fascist. All right. Okay, it was great grandfather. Um, yeah. It was it was it was it was it was great grandfather. She's a bad person. Um, other things we learned in the fun interim. She carried an oversized Bible, and again, this was described by the Wall Street Journal as an oversized Bible, I'm- and. And that's that's concerning. I mean, the Roman Catholics have never done anything bad in Central America. So I mean, in South America. So this <laughs> yeah. is this is obviously a good, nothing but a good thing for the people of Bolivia, um, and definitely not a fascist coup. Yeah. Um, moving on. On the Senegalese side, the leaders who have been the main theoreticians of African unity and who several times over have sacrificed their loyal political organizations and their personal positions to the idea to this idea are, though in all good faith, undeniably responsible. Their mistake, our mistake, has been, under pretext of fighting balkanization, not to have taken into consideration the pre-colonial fact of territorialism. Our mistake has been not to have paid enough attention in our analysis to this phenomenon, which is the fruit of colonialism, if you like, but also a sociological fact which no theory of unity, be it ever so laudable or attractive, can abolish. We have allowed ourselves to be seduced by a mirage, that of the structure which is the most pleasing to our minds, and mistaking our ideal for reality. We have believed it enough to condemn territorialism and its natural sequel, micro-nationalism, for us to get the better of them and to assure the success of our chimerical undertaking. That, um, yeah. that's a, uh, so that was a quote 
from and I don't think they I don't think he made it very clear mm. and the text certainly didn't but that was a quote from uh Mau Mau. uh no Mamadou Dia yeah same thing no I obviously Mama Dao Dia all right mm-hmm. going with that we're sticking to it um and I I kind of want to break that that quote down like in its own in con- in like in itself because mm-hmm. again that's a quotation and not necessarily from the work yeah so uh, it it seems it seems to be reading through that 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 was they 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 were uh, they were aggressively against the concept of nationalism yeah to their own detriment mm-hmm. so the argument seems to be that there is that 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 nationalism to a certain extent is necessary to fight colonization um but you just have to be careful not to let it create a again i would say and i think we've i think we've said this about a hundred different ways um but but it still bears repeating nationalism in the for, for nationalism when it is forwarding the cause of decolonization is a good is a good mm-hmm. thing nationalism in again let's say the balkans is a dangerous thing because when you're literally just interfighting when you have different groups interfighting each other mm-hmm. you you're you're not exactly getting anywhere but when it is in the in the interest of uniting a people against colonization good thing and if you fight it on its face because the the concept now i think this is a really good I think this is a very important concept for all of leftism to kind of get is that we get hung up on these like bugaboos, like these imaginary lines in the sand that we cannot cross under any circumstances because they equals bad all time, every time. And except for capitalism, that's very rarely always a hundred percent true. Like capitalism, fascism, always bad. But when you're talking about the, uh, nationalism, okay. In a lot of instances, nationalism has done bad things. Yeah. It can also do good things. Um, the uh, the police. Yeah. The police, on the whole, are a bad group of people who have historically done bad things. Let's go to Hong Kong right now. Well, if your police force is repressing explicitly fascist people, that's going to change the dynamic of what your police are doing because it's changing the context yeah. in which they are doing policing. Yeah. Things are not so simple that you can that you can just oppose them. And this is something that you get into ultra ultra leftists. Hyper, like hyper online, hyper idealistic, uh, uh, theory, theory kind of people, yeah, get caught in this a lot. Where it is, I will oppose this on it be, be, in all instances at all times because no matter what, it is wrong and it's the wrong way to do it. Well, and this is, I mean, this is exactly what the kind of thing Lenin talks about in left wing communism and in disorder. Yeah, uh, yes, a book that we should absolutely read on this podcast yes, and probably never will because there's an infinite number of books and they keep making them. God damn it. Yeah, but um. <laughs> but that's kind of you know the subject there, right? Is is you should there's a certain set of things that you should fight on principle, uh, but there's another set of things that either aren't always bad, um, you know it's it's situational, it's context dependent, or they're bad, but fighting them hurts your cause. Yeah, and not not always fighting them hurts your cause. Always fighting them in general helps your cause, but fighting them in a certain instance hurts your cause, like electoralism. Right. Oh, electoralism is a great example. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's you know, electoralism is bad, bad, but it's not always bad. When electoralism is giving your party a platform, when electoralism is opening up the divisions in the ruling class, yeah, that's a good thing. Oh yeah, like elect. I mean, electoralism right now. We're and and, and far be it. I I need to. I I will give credit where it is due. Um, again, electoralism is, is bad. We don't endorse it. And there is no candidate running for office right now that is going to deliver us a revolution. Um, let's get that out of the way real quick. But 
I have uh, personally been, and I think we in general on this podcast have been very quick to uh, jump jump Mr. Sanders uh, for for absolutely fucking up uh, his foreign policy line when it comes to South America. Mm-hmm. And I I will I will tip of the hat, Mr. S- uh, Mr. Bernie, this week because he fucking came out and explicitly called it a coup. Uh, he did, but he also paired that with, um, you know, free and fair elections have to be made, and free and fair elections already were made. But I, he did hold up to Jorge What's-His-Shit from he, Univision. Exa- and, and he said, uh, he sent it to coup, and then he had a chance to, like, go back and, like, not retweet that, and he explicitly again tweeted, it's a coup. Yeah. And and I get that, again, it's not, I'm not saying, oh, it's foreign policy's good now, but coming from what we had just a couple months ago in Venezuela mm-hmm. to now, that shows a pretty remarkable turn of at the very least rhetoric. The, yeah. the recognizing what recognizing that the that, that rhetoric he was using at the time was not correct or was not yeah. what his base was looking for, and he adjusted. Whether you want to call that cynical politicking fine. But if cynical politicking is driving him further to the left and making him make good decisions Oh, okay. Let's keep let's keep pushing his ass and see if we can get him to fucking you know do everything else we want to. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, don't bet on it too hard. You know, one no. thing we cite a lot here is is Acacio Cortez was like supposedly the super left breath of fresh air. Yeah, she's she's not up. even handling the Bolivia no. coup very well, and she was one. Wasn't she seen like like wasn't she didn't like, she, like thumbs post? upping with like with the, a, and I strongly believe that she probably didn't vet that one hard enough and probably would take that one. But back she if, doesn't care to vet that I shit. That's know, the problem. I get it. Yeah, that's a bad. That is a I I have not seen has she come back and like said anything after I don't, that I'm not I haven't seen. looked either All right so we're not we're not gonna fully fully one hundred percent because I I think everyone saw that in real time when she was like thumbs upping with like Bolivia national like those like wild fascist people Yeah yeah um, like the the crypto fascist Christian yeah, supremacists from and Bolivia. this is happening in real time so again I'll give her a slight benefit of the doubt if she if she has come out and condemned that. Okay, then we've got a different thing, so I'm not going to, someone wants to call me out on it, go for it. But yeah, that's the kind of shit that you see pretty frequently. And that's, when things like this are happening fast, um, that's where I think it is so much, it is so fucking important to have, that's why, again, I was so, I guess, disheartened Mm -hmm. by Bernie's response to Venezuela during the debates when he had them, because I think... If you're really going to call yourself leftist, your default position every single time... It's exactly why I don't even give a shit about the word leftist, because that can mean liberal all day Touché. long. That is just... Just fuck that word. Touche. Okay. 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 And, and I like the word socialist, but that has been co-opted... Oh, it's co-opted as fuck. Pretty heavily, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a communist. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? And, I am, and, yes. and the only reason why I'm not more open... Uh, even that I am now with the word communism is I'm not satisfied with, you know, my on the ground praxis to to deserve to call myself that. Otherwise, it's it's bellow it from the the, the rooftops and and never use any other word. You I know? mean, we're doing agitprop. That's close. Yeah, I mean, we're trying. It's not like we're not doing. Something I mean, it's. Here, I but. mean, I'm about to say. Let me, yeah. I've read Stalin's book. Stalin was called writing on censuses and he was a professional revolutionary when he was doing basically what we're doing at this point. So I'm putting, when the census man comes in 2020, I am putting professional revolutionary on my goddamn <laughs> census report. God damn it. Because um, I'm going. I'm going down swinging one way or another. Um, but no, so that's, again, I, that's why, uh, again, I was so, your default position as a socialist, as a communist, as anything left of of centrist bullshit. If your default first thing out of your mouth anytime these little uh, micro coups keep popping up is 
this is an obvious attempt to uh, to do regime change. We should stop that and let those people self-determine. If that's not your default response, I don't trust you because yeah. you've seen this. And Bernie Sanders has seen this long enough. When I'm getting into fucking arguments with people, and they're like, well, he yelled at the Sandinistas. I don't give a shit if he yelled at the Sandinistas and then he can't fucking spot 30 years later the same fucking shit happening. Yeah. That means he's dumb. That's a bad thing. If he if he could spot it 30 years ago and then somehow thinks this is different, I, I don't know what to... When Elliot Abrams is running the fucking operation, I don't know what to tell you guys. But yeah, I mean, like, he's either incapable of processing this or he's lying. I don't care which one. They're both I don't bad. want that representing me. Exactly. So, again, all of that to be said, I was happy with... I think that the pro... I think that getting to the point of calling Bolivia mm-hmm. a straight-up coup, good step for Bernie, keep going. Keep yeah. getting a little... Keep going further... Keep going further because Pete Buttigieg is running and uh, leading in Iowa now, and that dance has brain rotted my. I, I, I'm going to. I don't ever turn on the audio, so all I see is random gifs on Twitter of these people looking like they're having some sort of Jim Jones seizure. Um, and I assume I've been told it's to it's to some Panic at the Disco song. I refuse to ever ever listen to. Uh, um, no, I will not listen to Panic of the Disco. Not only are they, they terrible, but they have some Manifest Destiny lyric in one of their big hits. Oh, that's and, weird. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uncomfortable. Ugh, I bet it's the one that Buttchug's using. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he, uh, seems, he seems like he wants to manifest Destiny. If we're going to him, too, I, I like Mayo Pete. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I get it. And Buttchug does, does give him a level of, like, edginess that I don't think he deserves. Because he is as white bread bland as it could possibly be. Yeah, Mayo yeah. works. God, I fucking hate that guy so much. I think <laughs> I hate him more than Biden. I think I hate him more than Biden. I I don't think I can hate too many people more than Biden. I get that, and it's a, it's a, it's 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 my hot take of the night. But I think that's, I think that's Mayor a pretty P- hot take because Biden. Oh, and so, oh oh, you want to see something though? What'll be fun? Because the thing I think that makes Pete more hateable is his supporter base. Because Biden's supporter base are just old people that are like. Yeah, but he's done it once or twice, and we kind of know who he is. So can we just try? And the mayor, the, something that you miss out on not being uh, 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 tuned in and, and and locked into the matrix, is there are a lot of Mayor Peak discords, and oh, Nelly, are they uh, are they a fun group of people? Oh boy, they are an interesting group of people who are very very convinced that their their good mayor is acting in good faith and doing things absolutely on the up and up, and will are very upset at anyone that challenges that notion by maybe posting links to him uh, going to Tea Party rallies and saying that they're driving America in the right direction. They get very <laughs> upset if you bring that up. Yeah, to which them. you actually fucking did. Jesus Christ. Uh huh. Uh huh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Again, his plan for. A- this no, right. we're, we're no, no, we're, no, no more democratic. No, it's happening. It's happening. Butt Chug's plan for for fixing the racial divide in America. One is called the Douglas Plan. You named the plan after Frederick Goddamn Douglas. Um, spoiler: Don't do that. Um, number two, all of the images for it uh, on his website are stock photos from Kenya. Jesus. Number three, he said a 400 black uh, representatives and leaders from South Carolina endorsed this plan. Um, one, 50% of them weren't black. Two, 75% of them said, oh, we never endorsed any of this. Like, half of them are Sanders supporters that just were like, 
yeah, Pete, don't just keep on keeping on. And they literally had like an opt-out clause at the bottom of the email where you have to like click unsubscribe to not go on the endorsed list for this. So a bunch of people just implicitly endorsed this plan that absolutely they didn't. Because they then ignored his, an email. Exactly, because they ignored, yeah. And then they just like tried to go, well, no, this has always been a, 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 you know, a racial coalition to drive things forward. And they absolutely can rescind their, their endorsements if they want. It, it is the most... Oh, it is so bad. Ugh. Oh, well, it is so bad. Before you even get that far, just anyone who says someone who wants to it's like so bridge or solve the racial divide, that's just that's someone who wants everybody to like shake hands and pretend racism doesn't happen yeah. anymore no, and just go skipping was, the fuck along. Yeah, like, no, it's that's exact, not someone who gives a shit. It was Obama inviting the the professor and the cop to the White House. It's yeah. that where yeah. you get your photo op and you pretend that racism doesn't happen and we move on. <laughs> God. Only instead of instead of the cool black president doing it, it would be Buttchug doing it. And ew, <laughs> gross. All right, Fanon deserves better Please, than this. Fanon deserves better than a lot of things, but this is what Fanon gets. <laughs> oh, from the chauvinism of the Senegalese to the tribalism of the Yolofs is not a big what? step. For in fact, nah. Everywhere that national bourgeoisie has failed to break through to the people as a whole, to enlighten them, to consider all problems in the first place with regard to them, a failure due to the bourgeoisie's attitude of mistrust and the haziness of its political tenets. Everywhere that national bourgeoisie has thrown it, shown itself incapable of extending its vision to the world sufficiently. We observe a falling back toward old tribal attitudes and furious and sick at heart, we perceive that race feeling in its most exacerbated form is triumphing. Since the sole motto of the bourgeoisie is replace the foreigner and because it hastens in every walk of life to secure justice for itself and to take over the post that the foreigner has vacated, the small people of the nation, taxi drivers, cake sellers and boot blacks, I guess that's someone who rubs polish on boots, yeah, yeah okay, uh, will be equally quick to insist that the uh, Dahamans go home to their own country or will even go further and demand that the Falbees and the P- P- I can't pronounce any of these. Yeah, no, it's uh, bad, man. I'm still looking up Yolofs. I think this is, is Peels. Uh, return to their jungle or their mountains. It is from this viewpoint that we must interpret the fact that in young independent countries, here and there federalism triumphs. We know that colonial domination has marked certain regions for out for privilege. The colony's economy is not integrated into that of the nation as a whole. It is still organized in order to complete the economy of the different mother countries. Colonialism hardly ever exploits the whole of a country. It's co- it contents itself with bringing to light the natural resources which it extracts and exports to meet the needs of the mother country's industries thereby allowing certain sectors of the colony to become relatively rich. But the rest of the colony follows its path of underdevelopment and poverty. Or at all events, sinks in more deeply. Immediately after independence, the nationals who live in the more prosperous regions realize their good luck and show a primary and profound reaction in refusing to feed the other nationals. The districts which are rich in groundnuts, in coca, and in diamonds come to the forefront and dominate the empty panorama which the rest of the nation presents. The nationals of these rich regions look upon the others with hatred and find in them envy and covetedness and homicidal impulses. Old rivalries, which were there before colonialism, old interracial hatreds, come to the surface. The Balubas refuse to feed the Lulas. Katanga forms itself into a state, and Albert Kalhondi gets himself crowned king of South Kasi. Kasai. 
Oh, man, we need to get out of these African. <laughs> man, we are bad at this. This is bad. We're so bad. So bad. African unity, the vague formula, yet one to which the men and women of Africa were passionately attached and whose operative values served to bring immense pressure to bear on colonialism. African unity takes off the mask and crumbles into regionalism inside the hollow shell of nationality itself. The national bourgeoisie, since it is strung up to defend its immediate interest and sees no further than the end of its nose, reveals itself incapable of simply bringing national unity into being or of building up the nation on a stable and productive basis. The national front, which has forced colonialism to withdraw, cracks up and wastes the victory it has gained. And you should start seeing a theme here from chapter two and chapter three so far where, you know, this national bourgeoisie that sits above the masses, it won't go out into the rural folk, it won't go out into the other nationalities. It's the the wealthy urbans of an area uh, arrogantly don't educate anyone. And that's where you get the breeding of this nationalism that Fanon thinks lowly of that just reinvigorates colonialism Mm -hmm. Um, versus, you know, and. Anytime what doesn't happen in spontaneity happens, you know, anytime it is someone who comes to the masses and educates them, you know, something that happened along the lines and say, you know, Cuba or Venezuela or something like that, uh, Vietnam, you know, uh, that's a completely different story. None of these things he's talking about in chapter two and chapter three happen. This is when you get this this disconnected nationalist party that is not belonging to the masses. Yep. The merciless fight engaged upon by races and tribes and this aggressive anxiety to occupy the post left vacant by the departure of the foreigner will equally give rise to religious rivalries. In the country districts and the bush, minor confraternities, local religions, and maraboutic cults will show a new vitality and will once more take up their round of excommunications. In the big towns, on the level of the administrative classes, we will observe the coming to grips of two great revealed regions, Islam and Catholicism. Two great revealed religions. Religions, I'm sorry. Islam and Catholicism. <laughs> Colonialism, which has been shaken to its very foundation by the birth of African unity, recovers its balances and tries now to break that will to unity by using all the movement's weaknesses. Colonialism will set the African peoples moving by revealing to them the existence of spiritual rivalries. In Senegal, it is the newspaper New Africa, which week by week distills hatred of Islam and of the Arabs. The Lebanese, in whose hand is the greater part of the small trading enterprises on the West Western seaboard are marked out for national obloquy. The missionaries find it opportune to remind the masses that long before the advent of European colonialism, the great African empires were disrupted by the Arab invasion. There is no hesitation in saying that it was the Arab occupation which paved the way for European colonialism. Arab imperialism is commonly spoken of, and the cultural imperialism of Islam is condemned. Muslims are usually kept out of the more important posts. In other regions, the reverse is the case, and it is the native Christians who are considered as conscious, objective enemies of national independence. Again, get them to fight anybody except the bourgeoisie. Yeah, Anyone I mean, except the ruling class. There should be a giant light bulb that should have popped on with that last paragraph, or you should be going, oh, you know. Oh. And you should, right, and you should be thinking about, you know, them redefining in in the late 70s and early 80s, them redefining, you know, Sunnis and Shias who hadn't had rivalries in thousands of years, you know, or, well, hundreds of years, but thousand years, you know, uh, them redividing, you know, Christians and Muslims in Syria, and, and they're siding with the Kurds and, and the ethnic cleansing of Assyrians that had happened during the Rojava project. Yep. You know, I mean, th- these are things that you should be going, oh, you know, I mean, these are things that you should be seeing happening in Sudan, and, and the way they talk about Islam and Islamic terror is, is it's exactly this. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, colonialism pulls every string shamelessly and is only too content to set at loggerheads those Africans who only yesterday were leagued against the settlers. The idea of St. Saint, uh, Bartholomew takes shape in certain minds, and the advocates of colonialism laugh to themselves derisively when they hear magnificent declarations about African unity. Inside a single nation, religious splits up the people into different spiritual communities, all of them kept up and stiffened by colonialism and its instruments. Totally unexpected events break out here and there in regions where Catholicism or Protestantism predominate we see the Muslim minorities fling themselves with unaccustomed ardor into the, their devotions. Islamic feast days are revived, and the Muslim religion defends itself inch by inch against the violent absolutism of the Catholic faith. Ministers of state are heard to say for the benefit of certain individuals that if they are not content, they have only to go to Cairo. Sometimes American Protestantism transplants its anti-Catholic prejudices into the African soil and keeps up tribal, ri tribal rivalries through religion. Religion. Again, just more of this, it, it, you know, oh, if you don't like it, go back where you came from kind of thing. Exactly. That, that whole thing. I, 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 the whole time you're reading that, I was thinking there was a Muhammad Ali, I think, quote the other day that popped up somewhere um, talking about, you know, oh, they talk about how there's no freedom of religion in the USSR. You know, I, I was in the USSR. I was walking the streets in Moscow and I, everyone there, I mean, I saw everyone worshiping equally. There was no thought about it. There was no issue with it. Yeah. And it's because when you eliminate that, it's funny how when you eliminate that whole class structure thing that mm -hmm. seems to keep the make make religious rivalries a necessity, they kind of go away. They don't really need to exist quite so much there when you have that. You don't hear about a lot of uh, you know wild religious rivalries going on in in a lot of, of socialist countries. I think the one the one minor example, uh, small being like China right now, um, but I think we've detailed. Ad nauseum about how that is not what it is being made out to be. No, no, um, yeah, that's not religious rivalry. That's concerned with uh, radicalization and and China is trying to handle that being imported from U.S. wars and and things in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it in a way that doesn't involve sending them to uh, to Guantanamo Bay and yeah. just making them disappear for a hundred for right. For but decades. they're but they're the ones that have the concentration camp. Uh -huh. I mean, everybody openly knows about black sites to where the CIA propaganda stuff that pumps up the CIA like that Jack Ryan Please, we Amazon. can't do that. We can't go down that road. We're not we going down, go that, down road. that road. But even that, in the first goddamn episode, recognizes black sites. It's like, that's yeah. how fucking everybody knows about it. And yet, you know, it's supposed to be the, the Chinese that, that are doing concentration camps. Like, what the yeah. fuck? And even even then, they're they're... They're, they're very open about what they are trying to do yeah. and how they're doing it and that they are not... I mean, it, it, America's very open that, no, we're just absolutely doing... Yeah. We're, we're, we're detaining them. We'll take pictures of it. We have documented evidence of it. And then, but it, but in China, it's like, you, and, well, I my friend's uncle heard that somebody disappeared one time and it's like, well, that's all true. Yeah. 14 Wall Street Journal articles about it. Yeah. Um, Taking the continent as a whole, this religious tension may be responsible for the revival of the communist racial feeling. Africa is divided into black and white, and the names that are, are substituted, Africa south of the Sahara, Africa north of the Sahara, do not manage to hide this latent racism. Here it is affirmed that white Africa has a thousand-year-old tradition of culture, that she is Mediterranean, and that she is a continuation of Europe, and that she shares in Greco-Latin civilization. Black Africa is looked on as a region that is inert, brutal, uncivilized, in a word, savage. There all day long you may hear unpleasant remarks about veiled women, polygamy, and the supposed disdain the Arabs have for the feminine sex. Never went away, guys. Never no. stopped. 
Never. Yep. They, they kept that one going. Yep. All such remarks are reminiscent in their aggressiveness of those that are so often heard coming from the settlers' lips. The national bourgeoisie of each of these two great regions, which has totally assimilated col- colonialist thought in its most corrupt form, takes over from the Europeans and establishes in the continent a racial philosophy which is extremely har- harmful for the future of Africa. By its laziness and will to imitation, it promotes the engrafting and stiffening to- of racism, which was characteristic of the colonial era. Thus, it is by no means astonishing to hear in a country that calls itself African remarks which are neither more or less than racist and to observe the existence of paternalist behavior, which gives you the bitter impression that you're in Paris, Brussels, or London. In certain regions of Africa, driveling paternalism with regard to the blacks and the loathsome idea derived from Western culture uh, that the black man is impervious to logic and the sciences reign in all their nakedness. Sometimes it may be ascertained that the black minorities are hemmed in by a kind of semi-slavery, which renders legitimate that species of wariness, or in other words, mistrust, which the countries of black Africa feel with regard to the countries of white Africa. It is all too common that a citizen of black Africa hears himself called a small Small N-word by the children when walking the streets of a big town in white Africa, or finds that civil servants address him as a... Address him in in pidgin pidgin English. Yep. I assume that's some sort of... Uh, yeah, some sort of dumbed down, you know... A like, Spanglish or... Right, right, or, or something meant to be a, a, a blacker language, you know, like uh, yeah. African-American vernacular or Creole or something like something that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, unfortunately, it is not unknown that students from black Africa who attend secondary schools north of the Sahara hear it in their school fellows asking if their country, there there are houses, it, they know what electricity is, or if they practice cannibalism in their family. Families. Boy, that shit never went away either. Uh, yes, unfortunately, it is not unknown that the certain regions north of the Sahara Africans coming coming from countries south of the Sahara meet nationals who implore them to take them anywhere at all on condition we meet the black people. In parallel fashion, in certain young states of black Africa, members of the parliament, members of the parliament or even ministers maintain without a trace of humor that the danger is not at all of reoccupation of their country by colonialism, but of an eventual invasion by those vandals of Arabs coming from the north. Ew. Uh, pigeon is actually a, like, a pigeon language is a form of language. It is a grammatically simplified means of communication that develops between two or more groups that do not have a language in common. Its vocabulary and grammar are limited and draw from several languages. It's most awfully employed in trade. So okay. you would often see this would be something that would be very common in Africa, you would think, especially northern Africa um, or anywhere where there were trade hubs because you yeah. would have wildly different groups that do not speak the same language need to find a way to have a common denominator communication. Yeah, so now this is saying that, like, obviously they, they talk to them in this dumbed-down common denominator language when they already speak the same language yeah. as a way of, you know, insulting them as, as yeah, primitive. exactly, yeah. making them making them feel less mm-hmm. than. Yep. Um. As we see it, the bankruptcy of the bourgeoisie is not apparent in the economic field only. They have come to power in the name of a narrow nationalism and representing a race. They will prove themselves incapable of triumphantly putting into practice a program with even a minimum humanist content. In spite of fine-sounding declarations, which are devoid of meaning, since the speakers bandy about in irresponsible fashion, phrases that come straight out of European treaties on moral and political philosophy. Uh, everything neoliberalism has done for the <laughs> right. last 300 years. 
When the bourgeoisie is strong, when it can arrange everything and everybody to serve its power, it does not hesitate to affirm positively certain democratic ideas which claim to be universally applicable. There must be very exceptional circumstances as such a bourgeoisie, solidly based economically, is forced into denying its own humanist ideology. The Western bourgeoisie, though fundamentally racist, must often manages to mask this racism by a multiplicity of nuances which allow it to preserve intact its proclamation of mankind's outstanding dignity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Western bourgeoisie has prepared enough fences and railings to have no real fear of the competition of those whom it exploits and holds in contempt. Western bourgeoisie, racial prejudice as regards to the... Oh, big uh, Yeah. Why is... The, okay, so the, the small N-word has been capitalized the whole time, but big N-words just thrown right in there, lowercase. Woo! I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't enjoy it. And the Arab is a racism of contempt, and it is a racism which minimizes what it hates. Bourgeoisie ideology, however, which is the proclamation of an essential equality between men, manages to appear logical in its own eyes by inviting the sub-men to become human and to take their prototype Western humanity as as incarnated in the Western bourgeoisie. The racial prejudice of the young national bourgeoisie is a racism of defense based on fear. Essentially, it is no different from vulgar tribalism or the rivalries between seps or confraternities. We may understand why keen-witted internal international observers have hardly taken seriously the great flights of oratory about African unity, for it is true that there are so many cracks in that unity visible to the naked eye that it is only reasonable to insist that all these contradictions ought to be resolved before the day of unity can come. The peoples of Africa have only recently come to know themselves. They have decided in the name of the whole continent to weigh in strongly against the colonial regime. Now the nationalist bourgeoisie, who in region after region hasten to make their own fortunes and to set up a national system of exploitation, do their utmost to put obstacles in the path of this utopia. The national bourgeoisie, who are quite clear as to what their objectives are, have decided to bar the way to that unity, to that coordinated effort on the part of 250 million men to triumph over stupidity, hunger, and inhumanity at one and the same time. Man, that, if that is not a rallying cry, just triumphing over stupidity, hunger, and inhumanity. God, that, that, that should be the new socialist motto. <laughs> Fuck, that sums it up well. This is why we must understand that African unity can only be achieved through the upward thrust of the people and under the leadership of the people. That is to say, in defiance of the interests of the bourgeoisie. As regards internal affairs and in the sphere of institutions, the national bourgeoisie will give equal proof to its incapacity in a certain number of underdeveloped countries. The parliamentary game is faked from the beginning. Powerless economically, unable to bring about the existence of coherent social relations and standing on the principles of its domination as a class, the bourgeoisie chooses the solution that seems to be the easiest, that of a single party. It does not yet have the quiet conscience and the calm that economic power and the control of the state machine along can give. It does not create a state that reassures the ordinary citizen, but rather one that rouses his anxiety. The state which by its strength and discretion ought to inspire confidence and disarm and lull everybody to sleep, on the contrary, seeks to impose itself in spectacular fashion. It makes a display, it jostles people, and it bullies them, thus intimidating to the citizen that he is in continual danger. The single party is the modern form of a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, unmasked, unpainted, unscrupulous, and cynical. Uh, really? Again, you know, he's talking about 
the single party of these nationalists that have never come down to the people. He's not yeah. talking about a single party in general. And maybe maybe he thinks of that in a single party in general. Because, um, again, he is writing this post. I mean, Mao is in power, or Mao is in power. Mm-hmm. Stalin, at the time this is being written, Stalin... Stalin, Stalin should be... This was the 60s. I think Stalin... Oh, this is the 60s? Okay, okay. I thought Didn't this... you say 1961 when we first... No, I think this? this was being written like immediately post-World War II, but I could be uh, wrong. I think okay. this was very contemporary. Sartre wrote the intro to this, so I don't think it was in this... I don't think it okay, was that... Okay, that makes sense. That, that makes recent. Sense. Um... Again, whether or not Stalin is alive, the Soviet Union exists. So we I was do have... say, I know the published date on this is 65. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And that would no, that would that would that would jive still. But still, you do have. I mean, you have the Communist Party of China, and you have mm-hmm. the. Uh, no, it definitely has to be the sixties. He talked about Khrushchev. That's right. We talked about Khrushchev. We did. We did. Yeah. I forgot about Corn Cob Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. So 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 again, we have Khrushchev, but we have we have single party states. Yeah. Um, and so I I, I feel like that line. Maybe the single party is the modern form of the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. I mean, that is a fairly bold statement there, yeah. uh, Mr. Fanon. Um, so again, just if you are reading this, that is something that you have to reconcile with at some level or another. You either have to decide whether or not he wasn't talking specifically about single-party states in general, yeah. or whether he truly believes that any single-party state is a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. Right, and then, yeah, so you've got you to... Gotta... Decide, you know, is he talking specifically in Africa? Is he talking in general? If he is talking in general, you've got to decide, you know, is this one of those situations where, you know, maybe we should learn something from Panana? Is this a situation where we go, hey, we read guys because they're right, and yeah. and you know, so if they're not right, they're not right, and I, but if they're not right, what is there? So why is why what, is the single party? Yeah, what is that? what is he backing that up with? What is his yeah? So, what is his argument? So for let's that? let's keep reading and see if yeah. maybe he has an argument. That that may be a thing. We do this quite often where we we have this long existential argument about what he's trying to say, out. and then he, he answers it the next sentence. Yeah, but I had read ahead on this chapter. And I don't remember anything. Well, let's like see that. just immediately. Okay. It is true that such a dictatorship does not go very far. Okay, right now I don't like it. Uh, it cannot halt the process of its own contradictions. Since the bourgeoisie has not the economic means to ensure its domination and to throw a few crumbs to the rest of the country, since moreover it is preoccupied with filling its pockets as rapidly as possible, but also as prosaically as possible, the country sinks all the more deeply into stagnation. And in order to hide this stagnation and to mark this regression, to reassure itself and to give itself something to boast about, the bourgeoisie can find nothing better to do than erect grandiose buildings in the capital and lay out money on what are called prestige expenses. Okay, so I feel like this is clarifying in the... And, and again, you know, I mean, I'd read it before, but it didn't catch me. Maybe this is why it didn't catch me and kind of fell out of my head. It, it does seem that it's not talking in the general. You know, that that paragraph leans really hard on this. Yeah. This, uh, you know, decolonial national bourgeoisie who was not going out to the countryside, who was staying in, in urban centers and not educating the people. Yeah. Um, so that, that lends to that. So we're not and talking also, single party in general. We're it, talking single party without being ruled by the people first. And I think, I think yeah, and I, I think... I think it would be hard. I would like to have Fanon here really quickly to just to clarify, and we may be see if we can look this up. Just to say, is a single party state that is outwardly and and ostensibly socialist different than a single party state that is ostensibly bourgeois or, or liberal? Yeah. Um, because I think obviously those are two things. If you have a one party liberal state, that's 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 a nightmare. Um, that's a, that 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 I can absolutely. That's a that's nothing short of a dictatorship. Um, I get that, but. I don't. I don't know. I can see. I could see. Yeah, but on this, on the other hand, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why he has to say that sentence now that you're saying that because yeah, because if it's a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, multiple parties don't don't affect that. Don't, don't matter anyway. It's the yeah. it's the Kwame. It's the the 
Turekwa, where the, uh, or it made him no. in Nakuma, or is it Nakuma? No, it wasn't Nakuma. It was uh, um, where it's in typical American, American extravagance. That they, was um, they had two. Uh, no, that, yeah, that was the president of an African nation. No, it is. Yeah, God damn it. I can't remember this. Um, uh, it. All right, pause. Pause for pause for. Julius Nyerere. Yes, because I feel like that's come up a couple times. Anyway, he was the president of Tanzania. President of Tanzania. Okay, Tanzania. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I love that quote. Because that is again, that's a great it's example. A good quote. Yeah. So again, this is not, but this is, I think, why why we do this when we. I think this is the the whole point of what we're doing here to a certain extent is mm-hmm. again, what, why, why does he think? You know, what what was the what was the reasoning for putting this in here? Is this some is this a critique of one party states in general? And if it is, what? Yeah. What's the reasoning for it? Why? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I got to admit, I breezed past that reading it, and this is why you discuss stuff, because yeah. we're not breezing past it now. Yeah, no, no. And I think, um, so again, this would be a thing where I would, we've done this before, and it's worth it, because every time we do it, I think I think we had the same thing come up on the nationalism question um, when we read it the first time, is we did, we we had a little bit of dialogue, we came down. If if anybody anybody on, in, in the internets listening to this has, uh, uh, either one, knows more about Fanon uh, in general... And can elucidate this question, or knows in the specifics, kind of has has a take on this. Uh, yep, yeah, tweet us, tweet us at at Mark's Madness Pod, or, uh, or, or email, email us at marksmadnesspod at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if if you have a a way to elucidate this, we will absolutely uh, bring mm-hmm. it up during corrections next time. Yeah, because um, I would I would be curious. But right now, yeah, it just it just seems weird. It just seems mm-hmm. like a weirdly specific thing to bring up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there is that. Yeah. Um. Back to the national bourgeoisie. The national bourgeoisie turns its back more and more on the interior and on the real facts of its underdeveloped country, which tends to look toward the former mother country and the former cap- foreign capitalists who count on its obligate obliging, obliging compliance. Blech. As it does not share its profits with the people and in no way allows them to enjoy any of its dues that are paid to it by the big foreign companies, it will discover the need for a popular leader to whom will fall the dual role of stabilizing the regime and of perpetuating the dominance of the domination of the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie dictatorship of underdeveloped countries draws its strength from the existence of a leader. We know that in the well-developed countries, the bourgeoisie dictatorship is the result of the economic power of the bourgeoisie. In the underdeveloped country, the leader stands for more power in whose shelter the thin and poverty-stricken bourgeoisie of the young nation decides to get rich. Mm-hmm. That you see quite often. Um that uh, in 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 a lot of underdeveloped countries you see very th- that is the origin of a lot of strong mm-hmm. individual the actual cult of personality style dictatorships mm-hmm. as opposed to what you know people claim D- DPRK and and Stalin and all of that kind of shit was. Mm-hmm. Um the people who for years on end have seen this leader and heard him speak, who from a distance in a kind of dream have followed his contest with the colonial power, spontaneously put their trust in this patriot. Before the independence, the leader generally embodies the aspirations of the people for independence, political liberty, and national dignity. 
But as soon as independence is declared, far, far from embodying in concrete form the needs of the people and what touches bread, land, and the restoration of the country to the sacred hands of the people, the leader will reveal his inner purpose, to become the general president of that company of profiteers impatient for their returns, which constitutes the national bourgeoisie. Man, this is getting more and more, like, pointedly worrisome for me. <laughs> like, every every paragraph is getting more and more, like, slightly... I'm struggling. Let's yeah. put it that way. I'm struggling. Because that... So... So he's writing this in the 60s. So this is... Is this before... or When was Sankara? This was way before Sankara. Sankara was the 80s. Sankara was the 80s. Okay, so we know that. This, just, it, this it, is about the same time as Nkrumah. This is uh, okay. Algeria. This is... Well, well, yeah, definitely Algeria. Yeah. Um... um I'm just trying to think of the contemporary. I'm trying to think of the examples he's pulled. The same way, like when you read, the same way people try and extrapolate Kropotkin out to be like a condemnation of the USSR, um, when, when Kropotkin the timeline doesn't match, match up. up all, yeah. I I don't want to use this as like, oh well, he's obviously critiquing these when when he's not talking about like he's probably talking about some other contemporary example that I yeah, can't that's think true, of because like uh, Mugabe is after this because yeah, context is really important but I think if anyone I think you could see a you could absolutely see a disingenuous reading of this work and yeah. then see him and then see them linking to pictures like of Gaddafi say, or something yeah you put yeah. pictures of Gaddafi and Nkrumah and and, and, Nikurma and, and and Sankara up and try and make a connection that that phenom what that absolutely wasn't trying to be made yeah but reading it just with no without any without knowing what that context is you yeah, I mean, it's hard to see. Well, that's kind of why we do context. So maybe we should try to line that up a little bit the next time we get together. And, and... yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be my task for the next time we get together. Okay. See if I can find is I will I will a try timeline of African so leaders for and for for record keeping purposes that may or may not come out as its own uh, addendum episode uh, between now and then because this is being recorded on November twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, right before Thanksgiving, we're going to record the next at least one episode after this. So I don't want to make you wait three weeks after this to get that addendum. So if mm-hmm. I can get it out, I will. Um, I may just put it out on Twitter, but I'll probably put it on the feed somewhere. But again, I want to get that because I think that's really... Because again, these that's last... Be, yeah, illuminating. What these last about. two sections, this last couple pages, I think, has been very, very... Uh, this is this is interesting because this can be read, I think, a couple different ways, and I think this is one of the first times we've gotten to something that is potentially critical yeah. of what we're what we what we would endorse as uh, quote unquote tankies. Yeah, because <laughs> but I mean, but that is something we have to say. You know, I mean, you know, who are we to say more than Fanon? But then we got to know what Fanon's talking about, and this we've got to realize that even some people that who are we to say more than. History has shown that that they weren't right on everything, and we've got to see you know where they are wrong. So we've got to see you know what Fanon is talking about, and yeah. and before we can even jump off on any of those things, what is he? Who is he referring to? Who so, is he referring to? So we will what find out. I, we will find out the. Uh, yeah. I, oh God! I just realized. So basically, all I did just now in the last two minutes uh, was sign myself up to Nathan gets to learn all about the history of Africa post-colonialism in while, World War One. While we're on a reading um, in, spree. <laughs> in the last hundred years, while also trying to read uh, um, a very, very large book. Yeah. Um, and, okay. All right. Cool. 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 I Sweet. haven't I haven't punished myself enough recently. It hasn't hasn't had to do that lately. Hooray. Uh, well, hooray. Well, on that charming note, guys. Uh, <laughs> fun time. So this is you know what this was. This was Mark's madness. We do the yes, things and the yes, stuff. Yes, we made uh, eleven pages. We did. We did. We did pretty damn good for us. 
we did pretty damn good for us. You got a lot yeah. of uh, words shoved in there, and you only had like a 10-minute divergence while I talked about Pete <laughs> Butchug, um, and that's not bad. No, um, no, that's 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 good. We, you know, we we had some heydays where we'd like shoot through a chapter an episode, but and these these those times, were the those were lemon edited episodes and current trying times. In these trying this times, this is good for us. This is this is the new normal, and this is what you will get again. Brett and Allison are taking three episodes of an hour and a half a piece. I feel okay. Yeah. Um. That being said, if you're not, if you if you don't, go listen to Red Menace. They do some great work. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm I'm always very happy with what they've what they've produced, and they've they've covered some works that we haven't covered. So yeah, just go listen to those. That way, you know. Yeah, and, podcast and, podcasts we've uh, collaborated or plan on collaborating with that we uh, strongly endorse uh, include Red Menace, yep. Pulse of the Round Table, by extension Rev Left because Brett by extension Rev Left because yeah, and uh, and of course uh, Bands of Turtle Island. Bands of Turtle Island. Uh, who so attended. make sure all and, those guys especially get your time. Um, and, David, and, and David won't don't, won't acknowledge Dumb and Awful because he doesn't go on that show, but yeah, I do, yeah. so I'll acknowledge Dumb and Awful. What's up, gang? What's up? What's up? What's up, Discord? How y'all doing? Um, um, yep. Uh, yeah. In the in the meantime, you know we don't do any kind of Patreon. Um, nope. So if you want to give to to one of those guys, that's great. Uh, yep. Or better yet, if you've got some uh, local party organizing uh, or some uh, you know local community where you can lift up you know the poor and marginalized in your community. It is the holiday. It's the holiday season. This is a prime time to uh, ignore the Salvation Army people. Yeah, fuck the Salvation uh, Army in, in, in mass. Uh, yeah. Just slip but off make every sure, time you walk make by. Make sure when you say fuck the Salvation Army. Like you're doing that because they're they're leaving you know LGBT people die in the streets. You're yes. you're making sure you're giving to other shelters and food yes. pantries, not just leaving every homeless person. No 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 no, not yeah. saying fuck charity, fuck the Salvation Army particularly. Particularly, because they're, a, they're a hateful but what group you would of have bigots. Given to the Salvation Army, go g- give to a less bigoted homeless. Yes. Go yeah. go find something local that you can make an yes. impact with and do that because yes. this is this is that time of the year. Absolutely. Um. That, and and Santa's a, Santa's a giant socialist. He wears the red. He's God he gives out it. the presents. This is he is Santa's really Karl Sa- Marx. Santa is our. I mean, you can't prove that Karl Marx isn't Santa. I'm just saying that you've never you've never seen Karl Marx and Santa in the same room. And that's yeah. You, you put those links together. Um, last but not least, uh, if you are if you are in need of any uh, uh, art. Either of a a communist bent or just traditional, I guess maybe I don't know. I've never tried. Uh, maybe get them just paint you a paint you a regular landscape or something. Um, the Commas Artist on uh, is at Commas Artist on Twitter um, and also has a a commissions based uh, uh, Gmail account that is commissartist at gmail.com uh, link to that is in the show notes I actually set it up where it links automatically to the show notes now so I, I guarantee you it's there because I put nothing in the goddamn show notes because I am lazy um, and that is that is my nature but that being said uh, I, I am Nathan and David say your name I'm David yeah. that's David uh, and we will see you next week uh, with more Wretched of the Earth bye, bye.